Three, two, one, and welcome to the Peak PT Studio podcast with myself, Rich Higgins, Josh Jurieff, and David Lewis Charlton. How is everyone going, guys? We are champ champs. You were so close to calling me Jeff there, weren't you? Yeah, I had to think about it really hard. (laughs) Yeah, we we are the champions. Champ champs. Yeah. Not just champs, champ champs. Yeah, double. White ball champs. Double champs. Whatever. Cricket. 50 over cricket champs. T20 cricket champs. That's all that matters. There's no other World Cups happening. <laughs> Unfortunately. Football's on next week, though. No, no one cares about that. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the, the, the women football. slipped up at the last hurdle in the rugby, which was yeah, devastating. Um, but then, yeah, cricket redeemed it slightly on the Sunday. Yeah, the and football. then that's it for sport for the year. <laughs> <laughs> the football will be on TV in the studio. Might be. <laughs> <laughs> How are we all doing then? How was the weekend? Yeah, it's good, thanks. <clears throat> good. No house yeah. stuff, just, well, no making stuff, just adulting. Good, good. I cut down the tree in the garden. Yeah, with an axe. Such a man. More yeah. I was thinking yeah. your beard looks longer this exactly. morning. Exactly. <laughs> got a few birds in there now. <laughs> this is like Peter Griffin. Smack! <laughs> More follicles. Lumberjack. <laughs> got a hairy chest. <laughs> yeah. One of my sister's friends did that like years ago. Obviously lived in the middle of nowhere. Walking back from the pub through the woods. Bumped into a tree. Absolutely hammered. Not went bad. home. <laughs> Got a chainsaw, went back out, <laughs> cut said tree down for offending him, and then went home. <laughs> how, big, how big was his beard? Yeah. <laughs> how dare you get in my way when I'm drunk? <laughs> how about you? <laughs> I remembered what tree it was. Yeah. Oh, whoops, wrong tree, I murdered just the wrong going, person. Just a little cutting, sapling. Get the other one. Just going <laughs> cutting trees down. <laughs> that was that one. They all look the same. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to get on to uh, this week's topic of, I guess, dieting. Uh, we're going to talk about, so we'll talk a little bit about the science behind it, the equation, um, and then why it might not seem quite as simple as that, all the external factors affecting that. Um, this week's Mythbusters, do over to Jeff Jorieff. Yeah. No, it's your jingle. I can't do it. We did dial up that was it wow is that the jingle Blame Rich <laughs> yeah sorry yeah, guys this has gone yeah. downhill episode, episode 6 Blame <laughs> <laughs> Rich he's trying to, he's trying to yeah. mess up the uh, routine um, today on the Mythbusters is a starvation mode <gasps> something that we um, have heard well quite a lot really over the years yeah it's not over gone the away years, over the decades that we've been doing this it's not gone away no it hasn't been around forever hasn't it just like Tom Hanks been around forever. Lad. Yeah, but he's good. Well, I did see uh, him stay on that island. The character who Wilson! influenced the terminal died. Sad times. The guy who lived in an airport. What? Yeah. Go and watch the terminal. Go and watch I Love You, Man. Yeah, you need to watch that. It's much better. I watched it last night. Great <laughs> film. Go and watch the terminal. Yeah, watch this the terminal. Is what I've got an hour of what's the terminal. Watch yeah. Love you, man. Yeah. So, so my get back on <laughs> so the, the uh, get back on topic. <laughs> yeah. So my first um, memory of this, one of my clients coming up, you know, going into a calorie deficit. They were, I mean, we're talking oh, twelve years ago now. I think I remember it. And they're like, oh, I can't eat too much because you know that's, that's going to activate starvation mode. 
where my body just shuts down. Nothing gets processed, nothing. Every, every factor of my, well, being just crumbles away. That's, that's what my first memory was. What, how about you? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it, isn't it? That people think that by eating not enough, they put themselves in this starvation mode where not only do people like stop losing weight, but then some people say, oh, I gain weight because I'm not eating enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah. That happens. <laughs> yeah, world hunger solved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry, guys, it'll come back around. You'll stop putting weight on. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much what it comes down to, isn't it? People worrying about not eating enough, mm. so they're going to put weight on when they're dieting. Um, I don't really know where it started. I, well, I guess we kind of do. If you look at some of the science and principles behind it and why people think that, I'd say a few reasons being people mistaking food volume for calorific quantity. Mm. Um, so people eating a seemingly small volume of food which is actually super calorie dense thinking they're eating a very small amount but in actual fact calorie wise they're eating a lot um, and then thinking they're in this starvation mode because their food volume is pretty low similarly people eating big volumes of food in short spaces of time and then not eating for periods of time um and thinking that they're starving themselves yeah basically i mean i think what it comes down to is people believe that if they're not eating enough their body's thinking we're not getting enough of this let's store it for later reality if you're not eating enough your body's going to think bloody hell we need to use this for all the functions that we do day to day (laughs) and it's going to be utilized quite quickly Mm -hmm. um it's not going to think, oh, I better save it up for a rainy day when we're like got nothing in the tank right now. Um, and I think that's where the theory kind of comes from, which I guess in some ways makes sense. So you can, mm. like a lot of these things, there's a little bit of, you can understand where it comes from, I suppose, a little bit. But yeah, the reality's not true. Yeah, it's sort of like <clears throat> anecdote overriding science. Yeah. So as in if someone doesn't, think they're eating enough and they should be losing weight but they're not it means the principle is wrong yeah and so then people start to think that the the maths is wrong whereas Mm. it is technically just maths um i always try and explain it as it's sort of like a profit and loss account you can't earn less money than your costs and still make money Mm. everyone understands that is a mathematical principle of being a profit and loss account and it's the same with food it's just difficult with eating because we don't have the numbers to hand that we can do accurate maths yeah yeah what you do Um, get a little bit of which again i guess plays into it is say if someone is dieting and you hear a lot of like broken metabolism and all that kind of stuff um, of I've dieted too long and I've broken my metabolism and it's working really slowly now and so um, the calories I'm eating are yeah are too much or putting me Just in this starvation mode yeah um, reality oh, no. of that is I guess people call it now it gets more commonly termed down regulating in that dieting harder and harder on low calories 
your body's going to adjust to that, probably move you around a little bit less, save on energy that way, even if it feels as hard because the effort out of 10 can feel the same. The intensity is not as high because your body's doing a clever thing and trying to hold on to as much as, as possible kind of thing. So not wasting energy doing other things, fidgeting, moving around, that kind of stuff. So then you have the case where you're on the same calories that you were losing weight on, but you're not expending as much. We'll get into this a little bit when we get to talk more on dieting. You're not expending as much. And so you stop losing weight um, and then again, people can coin that as starvation mode or their metabolism being broken. In reality, there's a reasonable explanation for it, a scientific explanation, but it just appears that way from the outside. Um, and I think that can kind of, again, skew into the, I've dieted too hard and I've broken my metabolism or I've hit starvation mode and I've stopped losing weight. Um, no, there's lots of things that, potentially you might need to do to maneuver around that, bringing someone back up to maintenance calories, changing their diet, changing their exercise, all that kind of stuff we'll get into. Um, <clears throat> said otherwise there would be no world hunger yeah. and yeah. people dying Famine. of hunger because yeah, they yeah. would just not be eating enough, yeah. mm-hmm. going into starvation mode and putting mm-hmm. on weight. Yeah. There we go. Wait, Makes what? perfect sense. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's a little bit of it. Um, I think roughly kind of explained what it means, what people get confused by and a little bit of the explanation behind it of why you might see it or why I suppose in some cases it might feel, we're going to get more into this with calorie tracking and all that kind of stuff, but why your eyes might deceive you a little bit or the equation seems to be deceiving you a little bit, which can lead to a lot of frustration. Yeah. The principle is not wrong. Sadly, it's just the mathematics that you're doing is wrong. There we go. You're going to jingle us out or dial tone us out? No. no <laughs> That's it. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Next week it's going to be dubbed from above. Myth, Remember that? Myth, yeah, that's great. Myth busting. I'm going to pre-record it. <laughs> so we'll get on to main topic today. Um, what do we want to call it? Dieting. 101. Weight loss. Yeah. Weight loss. Weight loss, weight gain. Yeah. Energy balance. Yeah. All of the above. Cool. Everything. Food is glorious. <laughs> Domino's is king. We'll, we'll cover briefly, because we have talked a little bit about this in the nutrition podcast, or like quite in depth on this. Mm. We'll talk a bit about this science that essentially the equation being if you are burning more calories than you are taking in or using more calories than you are taking in, you're going to be losing weight if you are taking in more calories than you are using, you're going to be gaining weight. And if you're somewhere in the middle, you're going to be maintaining weight. All sounds super easy and super simple and written down on a piece of paper looks very simple. We're going to go into a little bit of the background of why it's not that simple, why it's not so easy. David's already touched on it in that we don't have an exact number we're not putting this into a calculator we're putting it into our body which is affected by a thousand and one different things both internally and externally socially all of that kind of stuff emotionally Um, so we're going to touch a little bit more onto why weight loss weight gain isn't quite as simple as it may seem on the outside I know there's been a huge amount of awareness recently 
say recently in the last few years around calorie deficit and calorie tracking and all that kind of thing which is great but simply understanding that doesn't lead to success I don't think a lot of the time when it comes to uh, weight loss weight gain there's a lot more to it than that which is often I think where good coaching comes in and overview a lot of it um, for a lot of people because even like with uh, I can't remember the specific statistics, but people saying, you know, ninety percent of all diets fail. Yeah. yeah. Whereas again, people are missing the context of the definition of what they're calling a diet, and then also the time frame they're using. So, for example, if you think if you're going to make temporary changes to anything, you're only going to get the temporary effects whilst you make the changes, and so. If someone is trying to diet, then they're doing it for a reason. And that reason is probably they feel they might feel that they're overweight and they should lose weight, which as a principle means their average behaviors are leading them to gain weight. And so if you temporarily change your behaviors to lose weight and then you stop a diet, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and then you go back to your average nutritional eating behaviors, which put on weight in the first place of course you're going to put weight back on and then that's where people define the diet as a failure whereas the diet itself succeeded it's just if you can't maintain it and again that's where people just it's just definitional Mm. arguments rather than the actual argument of a diet failing as in being in a calorie deficit fails at losing weight yeah yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, with the wording around it. I think that's a lot of it can get tied up in nuance and wording. And it's actually pretty important a lot of the time. People write things out and especially on, we'll go back to it, especially on social media, people like the clickbait of why a calorie deficit is failing you, five reasons and all that kind of stuff. Like we say, that's the calorie deficit is the equation. Um, so yeah it doesn't really fail but there's a load of nuance around that um it sounds really harsh and blunt to say a lot of the time but you see it is people saying oh i've been in a calorie deficit for x amount of time and i haven't lost weight and then you get a response of by definition you're not in a calorie deficit (laughs) which is true really um but yeah a lot of the time it misses a lot of the the points around it people just like to throw words around and it's cool to do isn't it and because calorie deficit or tracking calories has been such a big thing over the last few years putting something out there to the contrary kind of catches eyes catches opinion catches likes and clicks and all that kind of stuff so that's where it can be difficult a lot of the time I think yeah I think it's just for me it's teaching and having people understand that it means that the accounting is wrong not the principle of profit and loss account Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean you're a bad person for getting the accounting wrong it just means the accounting is complicated Mm -hmm. and we can't accurately do it like accountants can do with books and having the actual numbers therefore it's a good idea to look back at the accounting and just see how it can be manipulated to put someone in a calorie deficit not just saying diet harder 
Mm. It's mm. again skills, and that's where good coaching comes in of finding where the hidden numbers are coming from that's keeping someone maintaining their weight. Because again, that means that their energy in and energy out are roughly equal. Um, and then it's just trying to tweak it with, again, we'll go through some sort of influences of the, the science, but how to tweak behavior to get you into the actual numbers you need to lose weight rather than just assuming and say, try harder. Mm. That's a yeah. poor answer for a complicated yeah. question. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of the time, like we talked about with the myth busters in the down regulating of exercise, like your body is very clever at reacting to a lot of this. So time can often be a factor, people doing it for very short periods of time and giving up on things. This isn't a simple, I'll put less in this day or this week or something and then immediately I'll see a shift on the scales or pitches or gym or whatever it might be. Um, there's a lot more to it than that and a lot more mm. to play with. Um, David very preparedly has written down a big long list of potential factors on this. So go on, mate, take it away. Well, so I was just going to say... And then we'll dive into, into the, a few of them. Before getting into the list, I like to simplify it for myself of thinking you can only get energy from two sources, the external world and your own internal world. And so <clears throat> just by that as a principle itself... If you're not getting enough energy from the outside world, you have to get it from somewhere. There's no yeah. magic energy that you can use. And so, again, that's where I like to just reinforce it to myself. Of if you're not getting enough energy from the outside world, you force yourself to use your own internal stores. Mm. And that's where weight loss comes from. I thought you were going to go into being grounded and stuff then, and that's why you don't wear shoes. Be like, you can get it from the external world. <laughs> oh, um, or, or you can eat food. Sap <laughs> yeah. Every it's time I hit my gong, I lose a pound. <laughs> oh. Another pound gong. <laughs> I was like, ah, that's why he doesn't wear shoes. I think we just found our ringtone for yeah. Mythbusters. The gong, well. yeah. Um. He's crazy and he thinks he gets it from the ground. <laughs> no, but that makes sense. That's good. Yeah. And so again, if you, if you question the principle, then you would have to say, if you're not getting enough energy from the outside world, where where is it coming from? Yeah. Mm. Saturn. Saturn. <laughs> mm. Only if you, you bong good enough. Gone. You're a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> but Go so then. going into the, the, the actual sort of profit and loss accounting. So the energy balance equation just means so your energy in and then this would have to be corrected for digestion because otherwise, again, it's a mathematics accounting problem rather than a principle. So if you've ever had a lot of sweet corn, you might have noticed it in the toilet. And so that wouldn't be calculated in the actual maths. Therefore, then people are like, oh, we'll just eat lots of sweet corn. It's like, no. So again, everyone would jump to sort of logical things. But then, <clears throat> so your energy in. And so here's my little list of things, things affecting your energy in. So your <clears throat> gong. So your nutritional habits, your nutritional skills, your motivation for eating, your current environment, your home environment, 
your emotional state, your coping strategies, your social circles, societal influences, religious slash spiritual beliefs. Gone. (laughs) (laughs) Access to food, including cost of food, natural hunger cues, natural fall cues. I put question marks by digestive enzymes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hmm, if you're not producing enough digestive enzymes, would it just pass through? Mm. To be myth-busted in the future. (laughs) Uh, Fibre and food composition. So those are just the things I could sort of think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there will be more. Mm. And that's why, again, it's not as easy as saying, just eat less, move more. Mm. Mm. Because there's lots of things actually affecting what causes someone to consume energy, eat food, drink calories, all of the above. Um, And then that's where, as a coach, you would have to look through all of those things that someone is doing to try and find where ninja calories are coming from if someone wants to lose weight and they say they're in a deficit but they're not losing weight. It means that one of or a combination of those things are influencing the energy and to be above the energy out. Mm -hmm. It's why a lot of the time from like anecdotally of dieting with clients or helping clients put on weight and things like that, actually the number that we get from tracking, for example, or the food diary that we get, a lot of the time the exact number or the written down food isn't necessarily the important bit. It's getting a level of consistency and so I can think of a few times in the past where I've looked at people's nutrition check-ins all of that kind of stuff and thought that number looks on the lower side on the higher side for where they should be and taking a bit of time to explain this to the client but why that number might not necessarily be 100% accurate but it's giving us something that we can work with. So say, for example, someone that's, um, I've had a one recently, a guy in and around about sort of 78, 80 kilos, dieting on what would look like fairly low numbers of sort of 1800 calories, something like that. But in the reality, in the context of using other markers, that number I would guesstimate is not 100% accurate. There's more going on there. And so the initial thought, just looking at it from a numbers point of view, would be, oh, we need to up his calories quickly. But then you're looking at his steady <laughs> his steady weight loss alongside his energy levels, alongside feedback, alongside training in the gym. And that number actually is about right for him. That may actually equate to 2,000 and something calories yeah. in reality. But whatever number we're producing um, when we're tracking it is right for him at that time. And that's where a little bit of experience and coaching experience comes in to not freak out about the number there, but look at everything in context, like that list that David's talked about that may be affecting that individual and looking at it from that point of view and getting other feedback forms such as energy levels, talking to them, stress levels, performance in the gym, all of that kind of stuff to give us a broader picture, a broader indication of what's going on. Sometimes I think you might need to, people will say, oh, I've been on multiple diets and they haven't worked. 
<clears throat> Whereas again, I think with a different perception of a diet, it's just like trying something and seeing what skills and things you can pick out that did work, even if the whole sort of pattern and diet in itself didn't. I think it's just the same as any skill. You practice, you probably fail, you tweak, you find what did work, what didn't, you then adjust. And again, it's very easy in the fitness world because this is sort of within our job and within our scope. It's like if a fitness person was to learn, I don't know, accounting. And so an accountant would learn it a lot quicker within their actual eight hours of yeah. being at work versus someone who's just learning accounting from an audio book or doing an hour or two a, a day. So it's very different to sort of go through the skills and bits and pieces and it does require self-awareness. But I think thinking of it like a skill is mentally very helpful because even if you do fail, you can look back and say, oh, actually, I actually enjoyed having this for breakfast, which I don't normally do. So maybe I'll just try and keep that up, build that as an average, and then try and tweak and change something else. So over time, you're just building building blocks yeah. of your mm. puzzle and trying to put it together, which might take months, even years to sort of learn. But as a fundamental principle, the body won't change. So once you've learnt the skill of being able to lose weight, it will never change. It would just might require different tweaking as life changes. But I think it's a good skill to learn because also then you're not worried of putting on weight when life does throw things at you and you can't manage it better. You know when things calm down and you you put a bit more effort into it, as in time and effort just because you can. If you can lose weight, you don't have to be afraid of putting weight on. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, and accepting that life happens. Mm. I think that's important to understand, like you say, that building of a skill set, looking at it in other people as well. Because you get that a lot of the time of people starting a diet or getting frustrated with trying to lose weight and looking at other people and going, I work with X colleague and they seem to get away with eating cake at lunch or they mm. eat this every day or we always do this on a Friday and they do it but they're keeping themselves like their weight in check whatever it might be fitness in check and understanding that even if that person themselves doesn't realize it they might have a skill set built up over time a bit like the Liam Neeson of dieting built up a skill set over time um, of understanding took a little bit of time <laughs> of understanding their own body and what they need and what they don't so they may eat that cake at lunchtime and then naturally eat less throughout yeah throughout the rest of the day or eating makes me hungrier yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> or exercise or whatever it might be so not getting frustrated at that and understanding that people might have had that skill set and this can be from a really early stage in life some people have been pretty lucky in the environment they've been brought up in have a good relationship with food and exercise yeah. have good skills you know built in from their parents their grandparents whatever it might be bloody parents yeah. some people not getting down to finish everything on your yeah. back that's one. That's a cue. Same. I can't throw food away. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. strong belief system where I'm like, oh, no, I'm four. Mm, I don't want this. I'm going to eat it. Yeah. 
I remember my friend saying to his mum as a kid, he was a bit of a git to be fair, but <laughs> his mum saying, his mum saying, line them up, kids in Africa would be starving for that. And he's like, I don't care, mail it to them. Like when he, <laughs> when he still had food left on his plate. Here's my money for it. <laughs> a good way of thinking around that, I think, I know people worry about wasting food and stuff, is especially when you've prepared it and cooked it and it's no good for anything else or anyone else like if you do end up throwing it away or saving it for the next day you're not wasting food per se like it's just i mean it's if you say you've overcooked on pasta throwing away some pasta it's not like that pasta was going to go anywhere else for example um or just freeze it frozen pasta well yeah if you uh if you already made the meal yeah, that's yeah. It's, so like storing left <laughs> storing leftovers and stuff, but um, pasta. Oh, it's God. just having like a little bit left over on your plate. Yeah, there's no stress about it. It's not like that was going to yeah, with then, your parenting <laughs> style. That was going to trickle down to someone else <laughs> after. Um, that yeah, that you're taking that food away well, from someone else by rich. not eating it. Um, it's the same as food was always a treat. Yeah, for me growing up. Yeah, yeah. Hence, it's always had a strong belief system ingrained in me from a young age hence i would define myself as a foodie mm. yeah and even though i can lose weight i do not enjoy it yeah and it's also like i, I see it a lot of my kids when they go out for food they're like oh it's amazing i gonna have this and this and this when they're at home they're like oh it's all right mm. oh, i've just I've just spent two hours of my life kids trying to cook that lasagna Oh, I can't cook lasagna. But <laughs> trying to defrost that pasta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, they talk about it loads with kids, don't they? Because they take things so literally and, you know, trying not to say with fruit and vegetables, oh, eat this because it's good for you. Because there's an automatic kickback of, dad said it's good for me, I'm not eating that. Rather than just, you, just putting it on the plate and being like, yeah here's dinner sort of thing and trying to be as emotionally neutral around a lot of that stuff yeah. rather than being like what we always got told of eat your broccoli and you'll be big like a tree or like you'll get strong or all that kind of stuff will walk into you yeah. and cut you down you'll <laughs> yeah. turn into an end um but trying not to do that with kids i think it's difficult mm. love mm. lord of the rings yeah um but yeah, going back to the point of some people being lucky with that, of the environment they've grown up in, the parenting and just developed skills that, like I say, they might not even realise themselves, that's kept them in good stead going forward. That's why a lot of the time as well around, I mean, obesity is kind of out of our remit, really. There's um, far more research and kind of clinical diagnosis and all that kind of stuff and help available. Yeah. But there can be all sorts of reasons behind that and it's not as simple as shouting at someone move more eat less a lot of the time um with that side of it because otherwise it would be a bit like world hunger we'd have solved it by now yeah if it was shout that simple shout at them more. <laughs> yeah <laughs> mm. what you need Don't to do is just turn yet. the volume up a little bit <laughs> yeah or just sending out frozen pasta mm Either that or. as well. Everyone that would help. Send their leftovers. Froze. Yeah, everyone, you can only eat leftovers. Yeah, I think that's it a lot of the time, isn't it? That's... Well, because even like with um, stress and stress eating, some mm. people, when they're stressed, 
have less hunger cues sent. Mm-hmm. They're, they're distracted by everything going on because they're busy, as we've said. Mm-hmm. And so even when someone's busy, they might not have those hunger cues. So when someone's busy and stressed, they don't actually eat as much as normal. Whereas other folks, such as myself, mm, no. When busy, I'm less hungry. But if I'm stressed in an emotional sense of being bored, that's when I'm hungry. Yeah. Yeah. So some people can be stressed and want more food. Some people can be stressed and want less food. Again, individual difference. Even if someone doesn't know which one they are, that will in, uh, impact their diet. If someone's trying to diet during a very stressful period of their life, probably not the best time to add more stress of dieting. No. Um, and then if you sort of, but like with everyone being busy, if you say, we're just going to wait for life to calm down before we diet. Mm. And then they reply, good, when's, when's that going to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Magic balls. Never really Generally does. So again, it. that's why it's skills, habits, all of everything we've sort of mentioned that contributes just to the what energy you take in. Mm. And we haven't even gone to energy out yet. <laughs> no. Lockdown was probably like a giant or quite a good giant social experiment for that of people being put in a stressful situation and take Ridiculous. taking a lot of <laughs> taking a lot of the <laughs> normal external factors away from people (laughs) stripping life down to a fairly bare minimum and then finding out like you say whether people were dealt with that eating more eating less exercising more and less and all that kind of stuff um it's probably quite a good time to self-audit and self-evaluate on it and figure Mm. out if how you respond that way a lot of the time like a lot of this and like we've said with exercise in the past understanding how you react to yourself is always really important um and digging a little bit deeper internally um can help you understand a lot of that side of things i put on 10 kilos during lockdown don't regret any of it it was (laughs) great but then thankfully because i know i have weight loss as a skill i don't have to worry about putting weight on because I know I can manage it and get myself back to my average. Don't worry about putting weight on because now I'm super skinny and shrunk. <laughs> <laughs> Roll on Christmas chocolate boxes. <laughs> That's another time. 10 kilos in two weeks. There's another time in talking to people leading up to Christmas now about trying to lose weight or diet or really focus in on stuff is lead up to Christmas and around festive time probably not the best time to be really trying to dial in on your nutrition when the rest of the world is going in the other direction um swimming against the tide societal influences there we go is that on the list spiritual belief santa claus (laughs) (laughs) bing bing it's like family fortunes um but when yeah societal influence is there and everyone else is socialising, eating, working their way through selection boxes, um, trying, burrito at the Christmas party. trying to really focus in on your nutrition or diet or lose weight. Probably not the best time to do it. January, when everyone else probably is trying to lose a bit of weight <laughs> and there's, everyone's pretty skin and you're not going out as much. Probably not a bad idea to try and focus in a little bit. So picking, picking your time. How big's your freezer? Picking your time. Which one? 
<laughs> just open a pasta up. freezer in my normal. Got freezer. like a big chest freezer full of like pasta roadkill celebrations yeah. boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> Deer, rabbit, <laughs> lasagna. But yeah, that kind of external influence and picking time can be important, can be the difference between something being successful and something being hugely frustrating mm. um, and putting you off it for a longer period of time as well. So that's important too. And yeah. it's on David's checklist. Yeah. Or even, am I getting this name right? Richard Osman? Yep. Uh, was on a podcast I was listening to and he was talking about his addiction to food and how he he was addicted to it and he was addicted to food for years even a decade without sort of contemplating it as an addiction just because food is food and if you overeat it's just seen as overeating um and again that will so sort of belief systems and previous history trauma without going into it but this is his words not mine and just how that can strongly influence your ability to control eating and he said the only way he sort of got through it was naming it calling it and talking to someone professional not a personal trainer about it um so again there's there's very strong influences on what we eat not just nutritional content of food so do you not rebalance it through saturn's energy no Oh. He didn't have enough gongs. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is Richard? Who is he then? Is he big tall guy? Tall TV presenter. Oh, written some books. Pointless. Big oh, thick tall glasses. Guy. Yeah, yeah, big round. Yeah, yeah. yeah written framed. tons yeah, of super brain chat shows and stuff, hasn't oh, he? Okay. Quiz shows. Even that, it's like being six at six, and he used to eat because people used to tease him about being tall, mm. and that affected oh. his energy. And so a very average heighted guy. Yeah. Glasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In America. I don't know. So, yeah, again, cut down on what you eat. Simple, complicated. Yeah. Mm. External, um, sorry, energy out. Did we want to get into a bit of that? The other yeah. side of the equation. So, energy Click out. To page so two of the notes. Yeah. <laughs> In your PDF companion. <laughs> so, then energy out. So, the other side of the equation so it's normally sort of structured down into acronyms so bmr rmr um basal metabolic rate resting metabolic rate whatever depends where you read it uh, but this is just your metabolism at rest so everything your body does keeping you alive keeping all of your internal functions going not including anything else other than living and energy is used in the body to power everything and without energy we would die simply put and so our body requires energy so building nails requires energy pumping blood around requires energy heart organs tissues everything you need just to stay alive energy and so the energy requirement for that of just keeping you alive is actually a lot more than what we think uh, and that'll be sort of impacted by pretty much your genetics your hormones your body size and comp- composition as well as stress sleep nutrition and hydration so just those in itself can affect how much energy you use day to day 
if you were to stay in bed and be on a coma diet. Do you think me cutting down that tree, you know, made my body response, you know? The energy, grow, the energy yeah, exactly. requirements yeah. of growing yeah. a beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, oh. Humongous. 25% extra energy going to your beard. Just um, on the like, that breakdown of stuff, the BMR side of things, all three of us are sat here um, twitching, moving quite a lot of the time, my beard. <laughs> which is um, not necessarily like commonplace. You know, you get those people and this can actually be a much bigger influence and difference than exercise um, in terms of energy expenditure. Those people that kind of naturally just move a little bit more, get up and down out of their seat a bit more, move around when they're sat at the desk, all of that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff can be, yeah, more, um, have more of an impact than exercise, I think, a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, all three of us seem to be fairly... BMR, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much sedentary, active people. <laughs> Even um, when we're sat, we're moving. So even with, so just on sort of BMR and how that can influence things. So when you put on weight, your BMR actually goes up because it requires more energy because you've got more tissues to provide energy for. And when you lose weight, you literally lose tissue because you're using your internal sources of energy. So they get used up, so they go. And so when you lose weight, your BMR goes down. And this is where people say... When you lose weight, you require eating less. But again, it depends on then the other influences of your energy out. But the BMR is a big, big portion of what our energy portion is actually used for. A hell of a lot more than NEAT and what we exercise for. Um, and so then we go into our NEAT, which is our non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which sounds complicated, but it's just general activity and movements of your body that you don't class as exercise. So, yes, so just like Rich was saying, fidgeting, moving around, twitching, sort of anything that isn't specifically identified as exercise. Um, so walking to work, daily routine, taking the stairs, cutting down, cutting tree. down trees, yeah. chasing your kids running around after things. So anything where your body sort of moves and requires energy that isn't exercise, again, influences our energy out and what we must pay for. Mm -hmm. um, and so things affecting that. So we have stress, sleep, nutrition, and hydration. So all the same things. So if you sleep less, you're probably going to move less throughout the day because you're fucking knackered. Yeah. And again, because it's non-conscious, we don't realize we're doing it. Same as stress, if we're stressed, um, we probably don't want to go out and walk because we're busy and we need to take the car. Nutrition, so what we eat, if we don't eat enough, then we probably want to do less because we feel a bit more lethargic, fatigued. Daily routine, so for myself, I have a high step count even without trying, just because I walk into work and have that ability, so I don't need to drive so again i'm lucky like that Hashtag. <laughs> uh, habits so motivation injury and your physical capacity to move a safe environment to go out and get your activity in social circles 
Um, all of these things affect the energy out portion of just activity. And then that can affect, again, the energy balance equation. If you have more of those in your day, great, you're gonna have to provide energy for doing those. You need a bit more food, which is good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time with all of that kind of stuff that something we spoke about for our in-house members, um, we talked about it on Wednesdays, last Wednesday's Q&A a little bit, um, about how many calories you burn during exercise, all of that kind of stuff. It's a very, very small piece of the pie of the equation, actually how much we burn from exercise, <laughs> right, mm. a, a very a wafer thin amount really in the overall <laughs> pie. Um, so going back to us not knowing the exact number in terms of dieting, calorie deficit, calorie surplus, putting weight on that kind of stuff. It's another inaccurate um, device, I think, that we don't really want to chuck into the equation. Um, just to touch on that, because it's a question we got last week, like I said, we mentioned it in <coughs> Wednesday's Q&A on the Facebook group. Um, but worrying about how many calories we're burning during exercise and then eating that back, as a lot of people call it, is something that we don't recommend really unless someone is doing excessive, excessive amounts of exercise. And then we might look at fueling those individual sessions or longer sessions. Um, but yeah, outside of that, it's not something we need to stress on. Like I say, it's an inaccurate measure generally and can lead to much more frustration. It'd be like trying to measure calories from all of the other stuff, fidgeting, <laughs> walking, general day-to-day -day movement, how much, how many calories it takes to digest our food and all that kind of stuff, or grow hair, whatever it might be. Um, it's about as accurate as that. Because I think with that, it's normally just, NEAT is normally just simplified to step count. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Again, it's complicated, but it can be just simplified down to step count mm -hmm. and activity. But again, step counts are not 100% accurate mm. fitness trackers not 100% accurate um, so again it's just it's based on averages and guesstimates and if you get the guesstimates right you will lose weight if the guesstimates are out you will either stay the same weight or put on but again that doesn't mean the weight loss principle is wrong it just means the accounting is wrong mm. and then just requires a bit of awareness changing of skills etc I think there's that kind of like level of frustration around perception of, like we said, the equation being wrong um, can be um, essentially what we're trying to do with a lot of the dieting stuff is narrow the margin of error in our favour more so than give direct numbers and give direct guidance. And that's why a lot of the time it's, I'd call it educated guesswork and then manipulation around the results we're getting out from that, a bit like doing an experiment in the lab or, oh, we clearly need a little bit more of that, a little bit less of that, that kind of stuff. Um, or a recipe, need a little bit more of that, a little bit less of that as you taste more it and icing. as you go through. Yeah, more butter icing, <laughs> a little bit less of that. Um, as you go through rather than it just being a 
you need five grams of this, 10 grams of this, and there you go, that's it. Um, so essentially try and think of it even when you're tracking, which may feel like I'm tracking really, really accurately and I'm doing this and doing that. We're still just trying to narrow the margins of error in our favor, not pinpoint exact um, marks on the dial or whatever it might be um, to create our end recipe. It's a little bit of fidgeting, educated guesswork and, and managing that as we go forward. I think a lot of the time that can help with the, I think that's like we talked about at the beginning of diets failing is people putting limited amount of time into it and thinking, oh, if, as soon as I start this, I'm going to start losing weight, where in actual fact, it might take us a month or longer months, years to figure out the best solution, the best framework and get it right. Um, and move forward with that um so yeah it's it's quite often worth thinking of it in that way rather than just uh <clears throat> i'm going to do this exact rule set and it'll lead to mm. x result um understanding that you're going to need to tweak and balance this along along the way um it's similar with exercise i think and people's frustrations with i want a six-pack i want big arms i want this there's no set equation that we can just put in and it's going to give that output. All of this, people's bodies react differently. Um, people have different stresses, different external factors. And so it's all, we're using educated guesswork to uh, the best that we can, our ability, and then we manage and manipulate from there. And sticking with it and sticking consistency long-term is the key to a lot of that. Because well, even with exercise, <clears throat> and it can be a bit of a negative circle of people just using exercise to burn calories, because mm -hmm. then they, I tend to find people forget about the other great important factors of exercise, such as getting stronger, fitter, bone density, injury prevention, stronger soft tissues, tendons, ligaments, etc., etc. Um, and if you just reduce exercise down to calories, you're losing a lot of purpose to what you can do mm. and especially if you go in just thinking about the the sort of calorie burn mm. you tend then not to think about oh how well am I moving does it hurt do I have a bit of a niggle because you're just chasing 500 calories a session or whatever number has just mm. been imprinted in your head and then you tend to I tend to see people forget about the quality side of training and exercise and they just focus on the quantity which I think in the long term leads to bad, bad yeah. things. I think it's hard like one for people to grasp that because they've been told for a long time and also a lot of time for personal trainers coaches to admit that or tell people that because I suppose it's seen as a lot almost a bit of a hook or why a lot of people go to the gym and train with a trainer is I'm burning calories by being here but actually imprinting to people that the training that we're doing here is for all of the good stuff, all of the benefits that David talked about. It's not to do with weight loss or weight gain or whatever it might be. Um, and I don't know if a lot of coaches feel that way, that, you know, telling a client that or telling a member at a gym that this exercise is having very, very little effect on your 
energy balance your ability to lose weight or this gain is my weight favorite fat burning exercise yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's quite a might be quite a hard thing for a lot of pts and coaches to admit because you feel like you've lost a bit of a hook of why people come in and why people see you but actually if you're explaining all of the good stuff that exercise does all of the upside and the benefit it far outweighs like david said just a simple calorie burn um it also helps with longevity of <clears throat> being able to make weight loss easier in the future mm -hmm. yeah. so for example if you build strength and fitness over years if you do ever decide you want to come out of maintenance or weight gain and try and do a little bit of a diet it's a lot easier because you can lift heavier things you can run further faster mm. you've got more ability to burn calories without needing two or three hours yeah. you can do it a lot quicker with the skills that you've learned of how to move etc etc so it makes it a lot easier in the long term rather than just thinking if you are unfit and new to exercise and then you think oh i've got to get a massive calorie burn and you just run on a mm -hmm. treadmill and that's the only thing you have access to it's probably going to be boring you're probably not going to want to keep it up um and then that impacts you in the long term of again when people say diets fail it might work in the short term, but you need something maintainable and sustainable in the long mm. term because you're always going to be eating food and burning energy mm. to what extent depends on context in your life. But mm. um, fitness within itself is a means to so much more than calories. Yeah, I think like a couple of anecdotes on that from clients recently. One... Um, currently got a guy we're picking his calories back up and he's maintaining his original goal weight we've been a little bit lower than this but on 400 maybe even 500 more calories than we were dieting down to that weight um which is mainly just magic really um Hocus pocus, gongs and yeah, gongs and gongs and fairy dust. Um, but no, just to show that it is like David said, it's the exercise and keeping that high when dieting is super important. That has led us back to a point where, like I say, he's now where he can maintain his original goal weight, a much higher calorie amount than we dieted down to it in the first place, which obviously is benefit to him. Mm -hmm. Our as a coach, I think you always want minimal disruption for maximum result. And so we're going to push him to as high as we can on those calories while still maintaining that amount of weight, really, because it gives us more room to manoeuvre down the line. And also on the habit building side of things, super common to see clients going towards a goal, say a wedding or a holiday or something like that, dieting their way down and then coming back from that holiday either having lost a little bit of more weight or just putting a pound or two back on or whatever it might be despite what they feel of you know freedom of not tracking not focusing on the nutrition just going enjoying the holiday what generally happens is a lot of those habits they've built up over the last few months are ingrained and they're doing that naturally anyway now um a little bit like we talked about that friend at work that eats cake at lunch and quote unquote gets away with it 
similar to what they're doing now. They're away on holiday. They may feel that element of freedom in their nutrition, um, but actually they're, they've got a lot of inbuilt habits now that naturally regulate what they're eating, what they're doing exercise-wise, and the whole process becomes an awful lot easier. So a lot of the stuff we use is tools to teach people that along the way, not necessarily long-term you're going to be inputting to my fitness pal for the rest of your life. Um, it's just teaching a bit of awareness, a bit of understanding around that, and then they can use that um, long term. Yeah, I think. Because then, <clears throat> so the last, just to finish off the last part of the equation, it's just the thermic effect of food. So it, you, the body uses energy to break down food to then rebuild it back up, mm-hmm. and this is minimal i don't think this should be a focus of anyone it's just i think it's roughly on average 10 percent. and when people say have smaller meals to stoke the fire of your metabolism it doesn't really mean that because 10 percent of three meals is the same as 10 percent of five meals so as in if the calories are equated yeah um 10 percent is 10 percent, so it doesn't really matter too much uh Protein requires a bit more energy to digest than the others, but again, it's so minuscule, it's not worth, you could probably walk that in 10 minutes. Mm, yeah. So it's better to focus on the big rocks. Um, and so that's all of the, the sort of the four portions that affect your energy out. So your BMR, so your metabolism, your NEAT, so your general non-conscious activity and non-exercise activity, your actual exercise, so the the energy you use in your exercise as well as then the energy it used it costs to digest food and then you verse that against your energy in so as rich said right at the beginning so if all of those things that we mentioned for your energy out are greater than your energy in then you're using more energy than you're consuming from the outside world so you utilize your own body stores for energy you lose weight and where that comes from depends on the weight that you lose. So I just wanted to quickly, quickly touch upon, because I know we've got to wrap up, but you've got different stores of energy in your body. So for example, carbohydrates. So I think Rich said in a previous podcast, it's about 2000 calories, mm-hmm. um, which I think is around 500, 600 grams. And then that's also stored with water. So when you use carbohydrates for energy, you will lose weight because you're literally using it for energy it's no longer there as a mass storage and your daily fluctuations in your carbohydrate stores can be quite high it's like what's your greatest sort of difference in weight for a run or an exercise do you know i did snowman triathlon last year and lost 10 pounds by the end of the race so that's just in which was a sign that i'd Underhydrated <laughs> and underfueled, <laughs> and I was cramping hard by the end of the race. <laughs> but just as in, so daily fluctuations in weight are normal and necessary, unless you eat the exact same amount of food and utilize the same amount of sort of carbs, etc. Um, you will have a fluctuation in weight. Body protein and, and fat stores don't really change too much day to day, which is why it's good on a say if you're tracking using weight to keep an eye on the average rather than day-to-day yeah. fluctuations to, to sort of just 
think of whether your diet is successful or not and working. Um, so it, you might need a week of changing weight to actually see whether the average is changing, two weeks, four weeks. And again, that's where it's complex because then it will be up to us to sort of go back and go through all of those previous things we've mentioned to say, hmm, where can we tweak to get the actual accounting right if that is someone's goal? Boom. There we go. Job done. Got it. I think the pug's snoring, telling us we've gone on long enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, just Wrap move it up. more and eat less. <laughs> like, no pug. <laughs> She's moving, not a lot. Um, that, I think, is probably a topic that we'll come back to at some point and we'll probably reference, especially over Christmas period and in the new year when it becomes a hot topic. Um, sure. But yeah, a good kind of debrief, I hope, there. Some debunking at the beginning and a good breakdown of of what it takes essentially and why it's not as simple as the mathematics may suggest um that is everything from us any other business we're all good all good social events coming up nearly double a burrito time for our peak social um choices in but we're all good oh yeah when's the last day for the menu in next week next week yeah beautiful cheers guys